You're listening to CZ's What Works Best podcast. In today's episode, Ben North, a public high school head teacher, talks to high school deputy principals, Karen O'Brien and Daniel French. Ben, Karen and Daniel are currently on secondment at CZ and they sat down to talk about the use of data in professional practice. Okay, so we're here to talk about what works best and one of the seven key themes from CZ's What Works Best publication is data and the use of data by teachers and school leaders. So what I really want to know is what can teachers and school leaders gain from using data in their professional practice? Yeah, Ben, firstly, uh, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that data is more than just NAPLAN scores. This is just one of the many sources of data that teachers and school leaders can use. So, you know, you look at classrooms around the state and we've got thousands of teachers that collect and act upon formative data with their students every single day. Um, This too is a really valuable source of data. So ultimately data includes all those forms which allow teachers to make informed judgments on where they might go next with their lessons um, or with their students or, you know, the other question of how well did we do that. So teachers can gain you know, really significant information about their students with their classes in order to provide tailored support uh, for every student. The flip side of that with uh, with, uh, school leaders uh, is that school leaders can use that data that they've collected or that they've analysed um, in their practice for their strategic leadership across the school to identify areas of need Mm -hmm. um, and to implement evidence-informed practices Um, and effective evaluation to monitor the collective effort of of everyone in the school. Okay. All right. So you said evidence-based practice. What does that mean? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Ben. So um, evidence-informed practices or evidence-based practices are those that uh, have been tried and tested uh, to show improvement in student learning and school improvement. Mm -hmm. So when we identify a need, and whether that's at an individual student level or at a whole school level, Um, We have a suite of available strategies uh, at our disposal which we can implement. Sure. Uh, So the challenge is choosing the strategy or the practice which is best going to address these areas of need. Okay. So because we know that not all practices and strategies are created equal, again, the challenge is to choose the right one. Yeah. And this really does highlight the importance of teachers as researchers. Okay. Okay? Uh, So finding the most effective and practice for that particular need is the challenge. Uh, for teachers and for school leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the great news and the good news is that uh, we have an ever-growing and quite a large repository of an evidence base um, available to us that we can that we can draw upon. Sure. Um, So for instance you know we know what works best for literacy and numeracy and it's a matter of it's a matter of going in and delving into that detail to work out how it applies to our particular identified need. Sure. All right so I guess I'm going to ask a hard question here. If Data is all about evidence. What is the evidence that using data makes a difference for students? Yeah, well, if you look at a lot of the research that's been done, particularly over the last 20 years, uh, you look at Professor Hopkins out of the UK, he talks about the fact that the effect size of teachers using data um, is 0.9. Now, considering the average growth of students is 0.2 to 0.4, that's significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look at the work of Willem, he talks about the fact that by teachers using data with their, you know, using the data of their students, uh, you're looking at eight, eight additional months of growth over 12 months. Right. And then looking at uh, Helen Timperley, for example, um, she talks about when you're using writing growth, uh, when you're looking at writing and using writing data, um, that you can have six times the average growth uh, by looking at that, and about three and a half times the average growth when you're looking at data around reading. Um, yeah, right. So that kind of research is, is pretty significant to show the, the, uh, the impact 
that teachers and leadership groups using data can have on student growth and student learning. So, I mean, that's more than just having a few graphs and numbers. That's then using the data to turn it into knowledge, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And, it's, and, and I think what schools often struggle with is it's one thing to be able to have the data there in front of them, and it's one thing to analyse it, but what do we do with it next? Uh, right. And that's where you've got, you know, um, CESI with publications, um, what works best, high, you know, the six effective practices in high-growth schools, uh, you've got the Effective Practices Toolkit um, and, the, and that website. That they, that's providing the next step for schools um, so that they know, you know, we've got this set of data, both internal and external data, what do we do next? You know, how, how, can, how can we lead to, what can we do to improve um, the learning of our students and those resources help to, help to provide that? Sure. And Daniel just mentioned using internal and external data as being important in, in making decisions. So um, I, in my work with schools this year, I'm making sure that they are looking at the, the data that they have in scout reports that reflect um, performance in NAPLAN and HSC, but also for those schools that can um, participate in the Tell Them From Me um, program, also looking at that data in correlation with the, um, the scout data because I think it's important to look at the whole child. And we all have opened up um, reports in SMART or, or scout and um, had a look at an individual student and go, well I know that why that student went backwards in year nine um, writing and, and numeracy because this has happened in their home life. Um, and I think that we can we do that with all the students in our schools. Mm -hmm and that that teacher judgment um, or analysis of the data is really important, not just looking at the raw figures. So essentially, it's helping us know students better. Yeah. Okay, something I see a lot of on places like Twitter is often statements along the lines that data and evidence, it undermines a teacher's professional judgment. It's, it's done by academics and researchers who don't really know anything about teaching apparently, and that it just it's not the same as being there in the moment as a teacher. What do you say to a statement like that? Yeah, well, I think that uh, ultimately data and evidence is what should inform our teacher judgments. If you're not using data or evidence to inform teacher judgments, then what are you using? Um, if you're not using those methods, um, then you're really going off a gut feel. And we know that gut feels, uh, while they might be good in the moment, don't necessarily lead to um, you know, practices which can enhanced student outcomes. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, sure, you're always, and I think, I think this is part of the issue is that people can often confuse data as being externalised, standardised tests, mm. and that that's purely what they think data is, uh, whereas data is more than that. And when, you know, we talk about Parsi Solberg with small data, you know, if it is that you're forming a judgement on a student uh, just through oral questioning, um, you're, you're building up you know, a bank of data as a result of that. Um, and by bringing that sort of data, that's, that small data and the big data together, that's when you can start informing what judgments you're making about where you're going to next or making judgments around, well, how effective was that lesson today? Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the importance of using data. Yes, I agree with Daniel. There's this cynicism around the use of data, you know, whether it's used for accountability or um, and whether there's going to be league tables and... Mm and um, schools being accountable for that. But I think um, once you have that conversation with teachers and you look at an individual student data and in Scout, one of the um, favourite reports we have is a report called Individual Student Growth for each of the domains of um, NAPLAN. And you can see a student's growth from year three to five, 
from five to seven, seven to nine. And it's really powerful to um, show that individual students report and teachers really like that because you're focusing on that child and, and you can look at that um, student and think, well, they had a difficult year, they, um, you know, their parents went through a marriage breakup, you know, that might have impacted on them. Or, um, you know, they, they got some additional support, they were engaged in a program, reading program at school and look at the impact that's made to that student's um, performance. I think if you always bring it down to the individual student and what it can do for them, the importance of looking at the data and using it to inform where you go to next, um, you will always be able to win teachers over. Sure. And I guess that's what we're here for, is to make that's a difference right. for students and to help them as much as we can. Mm. So, I mean, for a lot of teachers, I guess, words like mean and median and mode, they might not have really heard it of since year eight maths. But there's more to it than that, I guess, in understanding and explaining. It's something that we can kind of learn about. Mm -hmm. How do you go about explaining those concepts to teachers, you know, in a relevant, meaningful way? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, one of the things that we talk about with Scout is confidence intervals with the value-added model. Um, and with the confidence interval, you essentially have a margin of error. So we think that, you know, that this is our best estimate of where students are. However, it could fall within this range. So the way that I generally explain that is I say, well, you know, it's a Friday afternoon. Uh, you've just had, you know, it's been a windy day outside. You've got kids that are a bit, little bit crazy, perhaps. <laughs> you might have had a parent complain about who knows what. Yeah. And all you're worried about is uh, is getting to the coffee shop in the afternoon just coffee to shop? try and... Coffee shop? Okay. Generally coffee shop. Generally coffee shop. Okay, coffee shop. Um, sure. In order to, you know, um, maybe have a break and just wind down. Um, and I say, look, you know, I reckon that all of you here could probably guess within a minute or two how long it would take to get to your local coffee shop. Sure. Um, and, you know, it might be that along the way you're so tired that you trip over and that, that takes you an extra 30 seconds and right. that's that's where your margin of error B Before sort of you come comes to the coffee place. shop, this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah, on your yeah. way to the coffee okay, shop. Okay, on the way. All right, got yeah. it. Um, and, you know, that, that's a nice little way of sort of helping people understand the fact that with a value-add model, for instance, yes, this is our best estimate of where students are, but over a period of two years, there's a lot of variables that can happen. Uh, and that's why we say there's a margin of error with that. And um, in terms of uh, a mean or an average, you know, we use the example of, um, you know, the results from a running race. And, yep. um, you know, a majority of students get 27, 28, 30 seconds, but there's an, um, an 82 that Trevor got. And so you look at that data set and you go, now, was that 82 um, an error, a data, er data entry error, mm -hmm. or did Trevor really you know, run the race at that slower pace. And um, maybe it's that, you know, Trevor has some special needs um, and he has a physical disability. He wanted to be involved in the race and he ran it, but he ran it, you know, he was an outlier in terms of the results. So doing an average of those results isn't mm. going to give you a true indication of, of you know, sure, the yeah. measure of central tendency. So it would be better then to have a look at the median where 50% are below and 50% are above, and maybe that comes out at 28, which is a much better indicator of the measure of central tendency for that running okay. race. Yeah, that works. Yeah. What I'm often explaining to teachers about a trend, which is essentially the uh, interpret in interpreting, interpreting the data, <laughs> um, and essentially in what direction is it heading? Is it heading upwards? Mm. Is it down? Has it moved? And like that. Often talk about when we talk about trends in fashion, Mm -hmm. in that certain wearing certain items of clothing might be on the way in 
and that more and more people are wearing cargo pants or high-waisted jeans or short shorts. Or, or van shoes that are back in at the moment. Yeah. Or blue suits. Or blue suits. <laughs> and whether or not are they on the way out. And is a couple no, of I teachers, think they're very on trend. Well, I don't know. If a couple of teachers wearing blue suits, maybe they're on the way out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in the, the sort of uh, are they on the way in or are they on the way out? Or is you just wore a capper and you're still wearing short shorts regardless <laughs> of what decade it is. I, I mean, things like that, they do, they do make these terms a lot more approachable. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, break, it breaks down that fear factor associated with yeah, it too, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a la- being able to get onto that ladder and, and feel confident in, in That's right. sort of what you're doing. All right. Well, to help inform teachers, what are some of the data and evidence sources that we have available at our fingertips uh, for teachers working in the Department of Education in New South Wales? Well, well Scout is the new business intelligence for education. And it's a cloud-based um, product that draws information from a range of sources. So we have our earned data from schools, um, information about students and their parents and carers. Uh, it also dra- draws data from um, NESA and um, the MyPL for teachers and also has information on local government areas, on health and communities, etc. So um, it has a wide range of um, sources of information that can create reports that are relevant to schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is Tell Them From Me, which yeah. is um, a survey that's conducted once or twice a year with student groups as well as parents and teachers so that you can get feedback about um, how those groups are feeling about their school community. So it's like um, so well-being and... Well-being, um, student engagement, yeah. um, a sense of belonging, um, you know, how they feel about um, academic rigour, um, intellectual challenge, all those questions are in Tell Them From Me. And from a teaching point of view, it's, a, it's about how well they think that they're going as a teacher and what impact they believe they're having and how supported they feel at a school level. And the parents' um, survey is um, asking them about how well they think their school or their school's catering for their child's needs and if they're happy with that. Sure. Okay. Daniel? Yeah, and no, I mean, you've, you've got uh, programs such as SMART, uh, which is obviously fairly similar to SCOUT um, in a lot of ways, providing NAPLAN and HSC uh, data for that schools can use to even get down to an item analysis level. Uh, to right, look at individual questioning. Like a question, a, a single question in an exam. That's right. Wow. So that, that will sort of enable teachers and, uh, and leadership groups in schools to, to work out exactly where their students need to go next. Uh, you've also got programs such as the results analysis package through mm-hmm. NISA, which provide a, even a, a more finite breakdown on uh, HSC performance of sure. students. Um, so that's obviously really applicable to, to secondary schools. Uh, and then we've also got you know, a wealth of, of data and information through our CESI website. And as I said before, not only does it give you, you know, a lot of statistics around you know, the fact, for example, in 2016, we had 31% of teachers in, in the state with 21 years of experience or more in teaching. You know, there's all that sort of information which can sort of support where schools are going, with it, whether it's their staff profile or whether it's in relation to you know, trends with student attendance. So really setting up that overall context about what's going on within our system, but then looking at how that might reflect in our school. Sure. Okay. So, so and I guess it's very rich internal um, yeah, sources of data ask, as well. So what, what, what's within a school that a principal or a teacher might already have there and might even not just be within a school, but within someone's classroom? Well, at a school level, uh, you know, we would conduct parent um, surveys twice a year. 
We would um, rely on teachers to um, provide feedback on classroom practice and formative assessment, etc. So that's very valuable data. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Parsi Solberg talks about it as small data. Doesn't yeah, it, right. You know, um, to the point where, you know, even if you're just building up a narrative around a particular student, so understanding a student, not necessarily doing a survey with them or even doing a formal assessment, just by understanding stories and narratives around individual students, you're essentially collecting data. Yeah. Sure, it's more in, in an informal sense, uh, but it's still helping you to form a picture around that particular student or group of students. Yes, and, and schools have systems in place like Central um, or what's another one? Academy or... Canvas. Canvas, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, where they've got information, often wellbeing information on students that they can um, use as evidence for... Um, well-being practices within schools. Yeah, and it's and it's really through collaborative practice within schools. Um, again, part of the school excellence framework that when that data is shared um, between mm. teachers, between departments, between stages, that's when we see impact on student outcomes. Right. right. You know. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Probably something that I really love about teaching is that ability to know that you've made a difference, but. We don't always know that we have made a difference. How can we use those sources of information to tell what kind of impact that we've made? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think one really good example is pre and post testing. Um, so often you, you'll find that um, a lot of teachers and a lot of schools really focus on the post test. So it might be summative assessment at the end of a unit of work, for instance. Um, but I think that the, the pre-test is one that's often overlooked but is a really valuable source of data and information because not only is it going to provide you with an avenue of knowing where to go next with your students based on where they currently are for a new unit of work, yep. as an example, um, but what it also does is it gives you some baseline data. Sure. So if you provide a pretest to students um, at the beginning of a unit, they go ahead and they, they complete that. You've got the results, set them to one side after you've decided where you might go to next with the unit. And then giving them the same, almost the same uh, test at the end of the unit or assessment at the end of the unit and then comparing the two because what you'll find is you'll be able to actually look at the growth uh, over that time. So if you want to measure your impact, rather than thinking purely about performance through summative assessment at the end, what you're actually doing is being able to measure, okay, you know, in week one they're at this point yeah. and when they did the pretest, now it's week six, they're at this point, they've actually grown all this, you know, and being able to show and demonstrate all these new skills and mastery of content. Um, so that's a really effective, very simple, very yeah. simple. And, it, you know, the pre-test the pre and the post-test don't have to be extensive. It might be, you know, it could be as simple as a multiple choice um, or it could be as simple as asking them to do a, a short writing piece around what they may or may not, may not know. Um, so I think that that's a, that's a good way of being able to measure that impact that yeah. you talk about. But I mean, what a powerful thing, not just for teachers to be able to see that impact, but I imagine for students to see, and for parents and family to see how they've grown. And yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and again, it breaks down the silo of looking at students' education purely from the perspective of performance and actually looks at value added and growth. Um, as sure, an yeah, as student growth and progression. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Karen, I was wondering if you could tell me uh, a bit of a story, I guess, or an example of something that you've done within your school context, something you may have either participated in or led, that might be a good example of what we're talking about today. Um, I can give you a couple of examples of how we've used um, Tell Them From Me data from students. Uh, we jumped on board um, Tell Them From Me fairly early. We participated in the pilot in 2013. 
And I think data in 2014 showed us that uh, there's one question about um, student engagement and participation in extracurricular activities. We thought everyone participated. We got such a huge band program. Um, but in fact, the figures were quite surprisingly low mm. for us. So we decided to then look at what we provided and to ask staff, is there anything that you'd like to offer to engage students in co-curricular activities? Because there's a strong correlation between participating in co-curricular activities and academic achievement, I think. And so teachers volunteered. We started up a creative club which focused on um, creative writing and graphic design. And they met in the library in the afternoon. We started up a run club. I didn't participate in that, but it had teachers and students who'd meet at 6.30 on a Tuesday morning and they'd go for a run. And they created a great sense of commun um, yeah. community there and they'd started to participate in um, colour runs in, on the weekends, etc. So we, we went beyond the traditional debating and public speaking and band and we expanded our dance program mm -hmm. and we also had a, you know, a greater range of things for students to participate in. And that was a direct response to looking at the Tell Them From Me data. Sure. Another example is we, we looked at student engagement in their learning on Tell Them From Me. We noticed a, a dip in Year 9, and a, it's a fairly well-recognised dip that Year 9 students go through. But we also found that there was a dip in Year 10 as well, and, which worried us. And then we started to think about, you know, with the demise of the school certificate and the ROSA um, being less important as um, a credential for, for students and families, we then thought about having a middle school and a senior school. So we had a very um, defined middle school of seven to nine and we included year 10 as part of the senior school, including changing the senior uniform mm. and the expectations of them in terms of preparing for the HSC years in year 11 and 12. Sure. And it made a big difference right. to, to their engagement. We could see evidence in the Tell Them From Me data in subsequent years that that had made a difference to their engagement. And I'm sure that would have made a difference that you could have seen as well. Yes. Yeah. All right, look, this has been really interesting. And I think this is something that even though I guess I've been involved with it in, within my own teaching practice and also within school leadership, it's something that you, I, I would always want to find out more and get better at. And that's what we want to do as teachers. Like students, we always want to get better at things. So how can I learn more? If I'm a teacher in a school, how can I learn more about making use of data and evidence in my teaching practice? Well, you know, when I went for this job at CESI, uh, people said to me, oh, you must be a data expert to be able to work at CESI and with the scout team. I said, no, in fact, I'm a data dummy, uh, which makes me a, a very good candidate for this job because I'm going out to school um, teachers and, and school leaders who are possibly the same level of data understanding as I do. Mm. For you both, it rolls off your tongue. Uh, but for me, I've needed a bit of work. So in the last six months, um, we've been working with a colleague to develop a resource called Using Data with Confidence. And by helping to assist um, the development of that product um, with a school focus and um, a data dummy focus, it's been really successful. Now I can explain the charts in um, Scout uh, very confidently. I can explain a confidence interval. Sure. Um, I, I now understand what a central measure of tendency is and what the difference between a mode, medium and yeah. the other one um, is. <laughs> Oh, what is it? Mode, medium, mode, medium mean. 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 Thank you. Average. Mean. Average. So <laughs> I do know it. 
I'm no, just no, under I'm, pressure here. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at data differently now. And sure. so I can I can read a chart, I can understand it. There's also a, a tool as part of that um, resource using data with confidence, which allows you to calculate, you know, a class um, set of um, assessments and it'll spit out a, a standard deviation and a box plot. I can explain what one of those yeah. is. Um, and so I understand the importance of using it and I have the language to do that, which I didn't have at the start okay. of the year. Mm. That resource is going to be um, invaluable to teachers as it gets yeah. rolled out from CESI very soon. And, and particularly because, you know, uh, the teaching standards, so teaching standard three and also five, mm. uh, expect teachers to be able to use student assessment data. Uh, and when you look at the school excellence framework with, uh, with data skills and use, yes. um, one of the excelling statements talks about teachers having a sophisticated understanding of data literacy concepts. Uh, and yet part of the issue, um, and, and a lot of teachers say this to us, is that it's not something that they ever did at university. Yeah. It, there's no training for, for data skills and data analysis. Um, so using data with confidence is going to really help fill that void and, and pick up the slack um, that's there so that teachers feel much more confident because people, you know, people are scared of data sometimes. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask that. Like, yeah. I mean, I certainly know amongst, I'm sure there's plenty of English teachers like me and there'd be yeah. some primary teachers or PE or creative arts who might feel that that's why they went into their subject areas was to not do mathematics yeah. or not do numbers. But I find even with maths teachers, they go, I'm a mathematician, not a statistician. Yeah. You mm. know, so sometimes they can um, struggle yeah. with the concept. Yeah, and, and it really is breaking down that perception that, Data is maths. Um, mm. Yeah, it actually isn't. Um, it's mm. it's evidence-based practices, which every teacher needs to be involved in. Well, Daniel, you explain it as the um, you know evidence of um, life cycle, isn't it? The yeah. data <coughs> life cycle. Information your, life cycle. Information yeah. life cycle. Do you yeah, which is that? which is basically um, taking data and turning that into information, mm. uh, which you can actually understand, um, and then analysing that information to then um, build up knowledge and insight. Mm -hmm. Uh, once you've then built up that knowledge and insight, um, actually disseminating that to others, so building the capacity of others so that we've got collective wisdom um, and we've got a shared value consensus around, yep, we think that year five reading is our greatest area of need. Let's let's go towards improving sure. that area. So, so making good education decisions and teaching decisions. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Daniel mentioned the teaching um, standards as well and w remember there's um, four levels of those and it starts with the graduate teacher. So I think that um, more needs to be done with graduate teachers um, mm. in understanding data and how to use it in a classroom setting and a school setting prior to them, you know, becoming fully-fledged teachers. Absolutely. And I guess that's then a journey that teachers can go on is obviously we start with being graduates, we uh, work towards proficiency. But I imagine for a lot of school leaders and those who may be in that sort of highly accomplished or lead zone, then those high levels of accreditation would be important as well. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you look at the lead standards that are highly accomplished, what's, what's expected of you at those standards is that you are building the capacity of everyone in your school. Um, and not only that is if you're looking at undertaking higher accreditation, you are going to need to use data in order to demonstrate mm. f with evidence that you've actually had an impact on student learning. Right. Yeah. And um, teacher learning. And teacher learning, that's right. So, you know, it really is, it, it really does sort of apply to all levels of, of schooling, all levels of teaching, mm. um, both at a classroom level and at a strategic level. Um, okay. So, you know, the importance can't be sort of understated, I suppose. Yeah. 
And I think too, from teachers I've worked with in all stages of their career too, that confidence and self-efficacy is so important because in doing that teachers, I've, I think, and certainly in my own journey and understanding uh, some of these aspects, is you get a lot more confident, you also get a greater sense of agency yeah. in understanding it. So rather than feeling like data is being done to you by mm. somebody else, you're the one um, working through it, through it, analysing it and understanding it to draw conclusions yeah. for yourself. And, and it's also it also breaks through that it's not just that thing that you do one time in the year. Yeah, you know, a summative thing. You know, you mm. don't just walk in and nap, analyse NAPLAN results, oh, that's data done yeah. for the year. You know, it's, it's something that's ongoing and, and as you said, because of that confidence... Being able to do it once, you're able to do it multiple times. You know, Absolutely. Th- throughout the point of you know the learning journey. Oh, and, and for me too. I mean, using those practices are things that I've gotten better at over time. But I still distinctly remember the first time, and I think I was a second year teacher. I did some formative assessment, essentially a pre-test or pre-assessment, uh, with a really capable uh, English class in my first school in the western suburbs. And by doing that, was able to realise that most of the students had mastery over about three weeks of the course's content already out of six. So mm. we had about half a unit done. Mm. And that meant rather than just simply teaching the same thing again that they had an understanding of, we could just compress that down, focus on, on areas that students might be weak at, but yeah. it gave us so much space to do engaging extension type work that helped push their, their learning mm. and growing. And that stuck with me. That's become one of my teaching practices there on in. Mm. Yeah. I think too, it, it's hard as teachers and school leaders, we do get caught up in the very difficult challenge of essentially business as usual, that mm. teaching and learning keeps happening every day yeah. and that within our class, and we might have six periods and 30 students in a class, we're just overwhelmed by everything that is happening. But I, I find it very powerful to be able to just take that moment to step back and yeah. reflect on the information and realise those kinds of things. Yeah. And teachers are really busy people and yeah. um, I like the fact that in the Using Data with Confidence resource pack, there's this educator calculator where it's a it's formed from an Excel spreadsheet where they can just enter their own data. They don't have to do the you know calculations mm. behind it, and I think they'll really enjoy doing that and seeing um, you know the results for a class mm. assessment or a, an across the year assessment that may have been done within a faculty. And by giving teachers those tools that are going to make their life easier, then they're going to have an understanding of data and be able to use the information that they gain from it to help students mm. improve their learning. Yeah, and really, and really, and like a practical measure is yes, really right. setting some time aside as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, you give yourself a couple of hours to work through your data. Mm. Um, don't sort of set yourself up so that you're going to be interrupted all the time because you lose your train of thought. Mm. Really, putting aside a couple of hours, whether it's at the end of the day or before school, before people mm. start moving in, because it's at those points that you really start to pick up on the trends and you know what's significant, what's mm. not. So that's a practical you know, thing that people can do is really put those couple of hours aside to to go through that. Okay. Dan, Karen, thanks for joining me today and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to CZ's What Works Best podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to CZ on iTunes. For more great content, head to our website at cese.nsw.gov.au. You can also follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.